Praise God. Uh, exciting news. Our plan has been submitted. The, the site plan has been committed to the city of Greenville, and this kind of signals the beginning of, of the, the actual building program. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give every first Sunday. Let's go the extra mile. Everybody bring it off. I know you teenagers, if you don't have a dollar bill, borrow it from your parents, okay? And, told, and tell them, said the pastor said so, all right? I'm, I'm serious. Let's everybody, everybody bring an offering next Sunday, whatever it is, large or small. You'd be surprised what God will do when we all, we all participate. And again, this kind of signals uh, the actual beginning of, of the wheels really beginning to fall in place. Next Saturday night, the, the prayer meeting, uh, we've, we've got to leech. We had a whole new order. We ordered more this week, and we'll have these Jewish prayer shawls. And, um, you know, the, there's just so much in the Jewish religion that the Western mind does not understand. And uh, this is just one of the things. It could be a great blessing. And again, we're going to have a special prayer meeting Saturday night called Covered. Covered, that's what the Talit is. It's a covering. And Sister Crystal Waters, uh, we're going to be praying for her. She's going to UNC this week for a couple days. We'll be back next weekend. And then she is going to be a resident for one month, uh, at least, of the UNC hospital. And she desperately needs our prayers. I know we've been praying, 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 but the treatments here on, on this end did not succeed. And so now she goes to UNC Hospital, and they're going to actually be doing trial, experimental treatments on her. And so she's going to need all the prayers we can give her. So we're going to use the Talit. We're going to talk about the Talit, what, how to pray with the Talit, and then we're going to uh, give her a Talit, and we're going to pray over it and believe God just to see her through this. Praise God. Luke, the 21st chapter, 25th verse, there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking for those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And when they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh." Amen. I want to talk this morning about lift up your heads. Amen. Let's do it right now. Let's look to God and believe Him to move in the remainder of this service. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, and we ask that this presence we feel in our worship will continue to anoint and bless the preaching of the Word. Let the hand of God rest upon us. Amen. Let the Word of God have the desired impact that you wanted to in our lives, and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give you one more great hand praise today. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. Amen. When humanity looks around themselves, they see a world of trouble. Amen. And the Bible says that there would be distress among nations with perplexity. Amen. They're frustrated. 
Amen. They don't have the answers. They don't know what to do. And they don't know where the world is headed. Hallelujah. We are in an election year. If you thought the last one was crazy, just buckle your seatbelt, folks. Amen. This year is going to be crazier, I do believe. Hallelujah. And, and, and who knows, amen, what the future holds. Many people were shocked when Donald Trump was elected president. So was I. Amen. Many people might be shocked at who gets elected president this fall. Amen. Who knows? We don't know what the future holds, do we? I mean, we know God's Word. We believe the prophetic Word of God. But as far as uh, our lives, our nation, the events that surround us, amen, we, we have a lot of questions. Amen. And, and people can even grow fearful. And so in the midst of all the end-time conflict and struggle, Jesus reminded us, amen, when you see all these things come to pass, lift up your heads and look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And Job even reminded us that man's days are few in number and full of trouble. And I agree with Pastor Derek last Sunday preaching about uh, the blood covering of the Passover lamb, that he made this statement, I would not want to live in this world without God. If I were you today, I would not walk out that door knowing exactly where you stand with God, knowing that your salvation is secure and that you are ready to meet Jesus Christ no matter what happens in this old world. Praise God. Many years ago, we were still in the old building at this time, and the Spanish ministry had uh, just been launched and was beginning to grow, and, and we lost uh, our first Spanish pastor under uh, horrible circumstances. And so uh, I called uh, my friends, Brother Vitanza and Brother Montez, and they were uh, leading the Spanish ministry in our state at the time. I said, did you guys come down here? I'm just going to step in and take over uh, this young Spanish congregation. And if you guys will be here to support me, I just want to uh, give them confidence, you know, that everything's going to be all right and we're still going to go forward. And so uh, the weekend before that, I had visited my father and he'd had a stroke and he was, uh, he was, he was dying and we knew he was going to die. I was still working full time at the time and could not stay there. He actually survived another week. And so Brother Matanza and uh, Brother Montez had made their way to Greenville, and we were sitting in my office about 5.30 that evening on a Saturday evening, and the phone rang, and they informed me that my father had passed away. So here I was. I had a, a crisis in the Spanish church, and my dad had just passed away, and, and I just sit there, and I told uh, those brethren that my father had just passed away. And so at 7 o'clock that night, we had church, and I felt it was important that, that I preach that night, and I let the people know that, that I would be pastoring the Spanish church, even though I did not speak Spanish, <laughs> from that point forward. And so I walked in that pulpit that night at 7 p.m., and I read from Psalms 121, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is the shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Amen. And I stood there and I preached. I never mentioned the fact that my father died. I never mentioned the fact that their pastor had failed. Hallelujah. I just said, let's lift up our eyes and let's look to God. Uh, Hallelujah. No matter what happens in this old world, friend, uh, amen, God is faithful. He is unchanging. He never fails. He never falters. Uh, Hallelujah. He never lets us down. Uh, Hallelujah. I obviously survived. And the Spanish church survived. As a matter of fact, from that point on, it began to have a great revival, one of the greatest revivals I have ever been a part of personally. Amen. Hundreds, hundreds of Spanish people came to God and continue to do so. Brother Montez is across the river right now, amen, preaching in our Spanish church, probably while I'm standing here preaching. I'm just telling you, friend, no matter what happens on this old world, no matter what happens in this earth, no matter what you're going through. Amen. If you will lift your eyes and look to God. uh, Amen. You will find strength. You will find help. You will find provision. You will find grace. Amen. God. Amen. Cannot fail. Amen. Uh, You have probably heard the statement, attitude determines altitude. Now that's kind of a little motivational statement, but it's actually a true statement. It's an aviational statement. Statement: Altitude is the height that you're at. But attitude actually came from the aviation realm originally. Attitude is the airplane's relationship to the ground. And if you're in an airplane, that's a pretty good thing to know. <laughs> but it actually means whether that plane is turning right or if it's turning left. If it's going up or if it's descending. That is that airplane's attitude. Hallelujah. And I have flown. I, I, I like to fly. I don't like to fly on 12, 13-hour flights from Chicago here to Istanbul, Turkey. But it's what we had to do to get to Israel. So we did it. <laughs> uh, glad to get to Israel. The, the flight was, yeah, you know, like I said, 12, 13-hour flight. Uh, but, but it's unique. You know, if you've been in jets, and, you know, I've been in a couple small planes. Uh, my, my brother back in Indiana had an airplane, a small aircraft, and took me and my wife for a ride once, and she walked out and said, I'll never, never again, never again. <laughs> you got to know my brother. <laughs> He's up there, you know, pulling circles and doing all kinds of fun stuff with his little airplane. <laughs> Made her sick. <laughs> Did you throw up? No? It's a wonder. <laughs> And anyway, in a jet, it's amazing, really. Now, they don't like to fly through thunderstorms because lightning can strike airplanes, too. But, but even if there's cloud cover, even if it's raining, even if it's snowing, if you can get that jet off the ground and point it upward, it's, it, it shocks me still how fast a, a huge jet can climb. I mean, you go from zero to 10,000 feet in just a matter of moments, literally, and then they keep going. And you know, most of your clouds hang low. They're usually just a couple thousand feet off the ground. 
So it's just really a short time until that jet goes right through that cloud cover and, and you're looking down on the clouds. You're looking down on that storm. We had the unique experience when we were flying back from Puerto Rico once. Uh, there was actually a large thunderstorm in the south. You know, south is, is famous for thunderstorms. And, and we're flying over the thunderstorm. And I'm actually looking down on top of a thunderstorm. Unique experience. But you see, as long as you can keep that plane, and even if you're in a small plane, the good idea is to climb. Amen. Because you're going to fly through those clouds. You're going to fly through that. If you can just keep that plane's nose up, it's going to rise above all the turbulence that is down at lower elevations. The trouble is, is we live on this planet. <laughs> Amen. We're walking on a lower elevation, and we're right in the middle of all this turbulence called life and life in this world. Amen. But if you can keep your nose up, if you can keep your nose up, you can rise above, amen, the circumstances that surround you. God designed his church to succeed. God designed his church to endure. He didn't build some little outfit that the first time there was a problem, it would fall apart and disappear. I mean, he, he built a church, and he told Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So why we got to build the church God's way. When we build the church God's way, it can endure any storm. Amen. Those that might be a part of the military, and, and uh, I think we've mostly got Army and Air Force people here, but, but the Navy, uh, you know, they build that ship to sail through a storm. They don't build that ship just to survive on sunny days and calm seas. They build that ship so that if it is caught in a tempest, it is caught in a storm, that it will sail through and survive. Hallelujah. And God built his church that it could endure. Hallelujah. It's, it's a miracle what Noah did, that Noah built a ship, amen, that survived the great flood that came upon this planet. But God told him how to build it. After this manner, thou shalt build this ark. Friend, if we'll do it God's way, amen, we will survive. If we do it God's way, we will succeed. And not just the church as, as a body of believers, amen, God has designed your salvation and his word, amen, so that you can endure the test of time. I just told my wife uh, yesterday for 3,500 years, the Jews have kept the Sabbath. And for 3,500 years, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. Amen. Friend, if we do it God's way, it will endure. There is a nation over there in the Middle East called Israel today, amen, because of one reason, the law of Moses. Now, I know. For them to survive into the millennium, they're going to have to finally embrace Christ. 
But I want to tell you, the law of Moses, amen, has, has guaranteed that the nation of Israel would exist for the last 3,500 years, and it's over there today. And Adam Clark, the direct successor to John Wesley, uh, uh, the head of the Methodist Church, uh, most people, including myself, consider him to be the greatest Bible scholar that probably ever lived. Hallelujah. And, 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 and uh, Adam Clark himself said, he who would not have a Sabbath will soon not have a religion. Come on, friend. Amen. When we worship God and seek God and live for God God's way, hallelujah, friend, you will endure the test of time. First Peter 1 and 5 said, who are kept by the power of God unto faith. Uh, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You're going to go through the storm, friend. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Anybody with me here? <laughs> Come on, nobody said life on this planet is easy, and it's not. He said, and there may be seasons where you're going through manifold temptation. But know this, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried in the fire, will be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Friend, you keep the faith, and the faith will keep you. It will carry you through. It will bring you out on the other side, amen, of whatever temptation, whatever struggles that you face. I'm persuaded more and more, hallelujah, that his grace will be sufficient unto thee. Hallelujah, I'm persuaded more and more. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful that with the temptation he will make a way. Of escape. God will make a way. But what you got to do is you got to lift up your eyes. You got to keep looking to God. You got to keep believing in God. You got to keep trusting in God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm persuaded that God is greater than any problem I have. In Philippians 4 and 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you got a need, I've got a God. Hallelujah. And my God will supply your every need. Hallelujah. But you got to keep looking to him. Jehovah Jireh is still the provider. Amen. Jehovah Rapha is still the healer. Amen. Jehovah Nisi is still our warrior. Amen. Jehovah Shalom is still our peace. Jehovah Reva is still my shepherd, and he leads me beside still waters. Jehovah Sidkenu is still my righteousness in a sinful world. Amen. Jehovah Shama is still present. And as a matter of fact, Jesus Christ stood and said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Come on, friend. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he is God all the way through. Amen. You just keep lifting up your heads. You just keep looking to God. And he will carry you through to the very end. Amen. Jacob was in a desperate life or death struggle. God sent an angel. Whatever you need, friend, God will provide. Amen. At that point, Jacob needed an angel, so God sent an angel. 
Amen. And, and, and uh, wrestled with him all night long and ultimately delivered him. Genesis 32 and 30, Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I mean, you hold on, friend. You just keep believing God. The great I am continues to reveal himself in our lives. God doesn't just have the answer. God is the answer to every question. He is the solution to every problem. He is the Christ in every crisis. He is the Savior in every circumstance. And he simply says in Isaiah 45 and 22, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Today, 7.4 billion people on the planet, if they would fall on their knees and call upon the Lord, he could save every one of them. Amen. He said, look to me. Look to me. And my wife and I were on our way back from uh, Charles Taylor's uh, wake the other night, and, and, and we were just talking on the way home from Wilson, and I told her, I said, you know, it's easy to tell people to trust God, but, but when you're going through it yourself, <laughs> you know, you got all these questions, <laughs> you got all these doubts, and you, you know, you, you got these struggles, but it's exactly what we have to do, folks. We have to keep lifting up our eyes. We got to keep looking up. We got to keep looking to God, amen, for the answers and direction. I, I believe with all my heart, folks, we're going to have to develop a fresh sense of dependence upon God. There is great revival taking place in some parts of our world. You know where it's happening? Where people are looking to God, where people are called upon God where people are believing God. As Americans, we love our independence. We are independent creatures. And sometimes we get independent of God. We're going to do our own thing. Don't matter what God says. We're going to do it our way. No matter what God's way is, we're going to do our own thing. But I'm going to tell you, friend, I believe that we're going to have to have a fresh dependence on God, amen, to make it through to the end. Christ said, have faith in God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It is simple. We're the ones that make it complex. Have faith in God. And David cried out in Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means in the good times, I'm going to praise God. And in the bad times, I'm going to praise God. Amen. I'll bless the Lord whether I ain't got a dollar in my pocket or whether I got a $100 bill in my wallet. I'm going to praise God either way. And I'm going to praise God if I'm feeling good today. I'm going to praise God if I'm not feeling so good today. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise God if I'm healthy and strong, or I'm going to praise God if I'm sick and weak at the moment. But I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. He goes on and he says, My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
I sought the Lord, and he heard me. How about that? But you got to seek the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He made that statement, oh, magnify the Lord with me. I meant to pull my little magnifying glass out of my, my desk this morning, but I forgot to bring it down here. Amen. You take a magnifying glass, and you can take small things and make them look bigger. You know, and sometimes that's what we do with our problems. You can magnify the Lord or you can magnify your problems. You can magnify the Lord or you can magnify your troubles. And sometimes we take little things. Some people are specialists at this. They call them drama queens. <laughs> they can take some little old thing and make a great big drama. You can, you can magnify the wrong thing. But you know what? If you flip that magnifying glass over, it does just the opposite. It brings things into a narrow focus. And sometimes we're magnifying our problems and making little things big. when well, we ought to be flipping that magnifying glass over and looking at God. Now, you can't make God bigger than he is. <laughs> but what you can do is bring God into focus. You can bring God into the picture. Amen. God is greater than whatever I'm dealing with. God is greater than any circumstances I'm struggling with. Amen. God is greater. Hallelujah. But we got to magnify the Lord. Amen. Keep our eyes upon Him. Amen. Psalms 24 is such an immaculate psalm. Hallelujah. It's, it's probably overshadowed because Psalms 23 is one of the most famous pieces of literature on the whole planet, uh, the shepherd's psalm. Amen. But Psalms 24 is so powerful. It tells us to lift up your heads, O ye gates. Come on, friend. Try the upward look. Lift up your heads. Hallelujah. Don't walk around with your head down. You're not seeing a whole lot of turf here. It's amazing, friend. You just look up and you can see an amazing landscape. And then you look up and you can see God's creation. Hallelujah. He said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. I love that statement. Hallelujah, friend. You want to receive the Holy Ghost? Let me tell you how to receive the Holy Ghost. Lift up your head, lift up your hands, amen, open your heart, open your spirit. What will happen? The king of glory shall come in. You know, people don't receive the Holy Ghost like this. They're bound up, man. They're shut. They're closed. Their head's down. I'm telling you, you want to see the Holy Ghost, it's really simple. Amen. Lift up your heads, lift up your eyes, lift up your hands, lift up your voice, and the King of glory will come marching in. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will march into your life, every one of us. Hallelujah. Who is the King of Lord? Don't forget this. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Come on, friend. You're going through it. You're fighting. You're struggling. Amen. You want to engage God in your conflict. Come on, he is the Lord strong and mighty in battle. He has never lost a battle. Amen. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Salah. Amen. But I love that first verse. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up. Amen. I thank you for your praise and worship. Hallelujah. I come in here Sunday morning. I know I'm 
pastor. I know I got people to greet. I know I got a sermon to preach. Hallelujah. But your praise and your worship, amen, lifts me up. Hallelujah. Come on, friend. You want to get up? You want to get out of the mess you're in? Amen. You want to get out of of a depressed state? Amen. Start looking up. Start lifting him up. Amen. Lift him up and be ye lifted up. As you lift him up, let him lift you up. It'll work every time. I promise you. Hallelujah. I made the statement to the Spanish church last uh, uh, Sunday night, I think it was. They said, I've never been depressed in the presence of God. Come on, friend. You start lifting him up. You start worshiping him and the spirit of God starts moving. Man, it'll lift you up. It will lift you up. And Jesus said this in John 4, 34 and 35. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, you are, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already. Here's what had happened. John 4 chapters when Jesus met the woman at the well. The apostles were with Jesus. He sent them into town. When they went into town, this woman came out of town. And Jesus stood there and talked to her and began to reveal to her who he was and who she was <laughs> and what she had been doing. And she was shocked and amazed. And so she went back into town. The apostles came back out of town. They missed the whole, the whole event there. And so they're standing there talking to Jesus and saying, you know, where, where, you know, where are we going to get meat to eat? And, all that? and Jesus said, look, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Two things ensure the success of the church in the future. Number one, we got to do the will of God. The safest place on this planet is right in the middle of the will of God. The safest place for your life is right in the middle of the will of God. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care what kind of opportunities present themselves. You just better make sure it's the will of God. Said my, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of himself. You want strength? You want power? You want provision? Do the will of God. Where God guides, God provides. Amen. He sent Elijah out into the wilderness to the brook Cherith. And Elijah prayed for three and a half years it wouldn't rain. Well, what happened when it rained? The book Cherith died up. And God said, go down to Zarephath. There's a widow there that I've commanded to take care of you. And he goes down to this widow, and the widow had one handful of meal and just enough oil to make one last cake. He said, I'm going to make this cake, and me and my son are going to eat it, and we're going to lay down and die. And God sent him there. But because he was in the will of God, the, bell, the, 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 the meal never waxed, never ran out, and the oil never ran out. And for the remainder of that drought, which he was praying for, <laughs> sometimes your prayer will get you into stuff, you know. <laughs> but if it's the will of God, it's all right. He was in the will of God. Friend, the meal never ran out, and the oil never ran dry. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him sent me. The what guarantees the church success in the future is to do the will of God. And then number two, he said, lift up your eyes. The apostles wonder, what are we going to do here? What are we doing here in Samaria anyway? And Jesus said, you guys thinking there's four months to harvest? Turn around and look. Here come the city out. 
The woman who went back into the city and told all her neighbors and friends, and now the city was coming out to Jesus. Let me tell you something. You will not live in a better place than Greenville, North Carolina. It's as good as any place you can live on the whole planet. Love Jerusalem. I'm glad I live here. <laughs> I didn't have Jerusalem. It's so crowded you can't, can't move up and down the streets. <laughs> Quit looking for, well, someday, over the rainbow. <laughs> Just look up. He said the fields are white already to harvest. Uh, amen. They're white already to harvest. I mean, y'all need to be like Chase back here. Two weeks ago, we had Bible study at his apartment. We only had three or four people there. And so I knew the, the next lesson was the beginning of the church. God pouring out his spirit and said, man, why don't you get some, some of these folks back here? He had 15 people at his apartment the other night. <laughs> he had more people. He had more visitors in his apartment. This whole church got here this morning. <laughs> Lift up your eyes, folks. Now's a great time to have a harvest. Now's the best time to have a harvest. People don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's coming down the pipe next. But God does. Let's start telling them. Let's start telling them. You're not going to have visitors if you don't invite them. You're not going to have visitors if you don't hand them a church card. You're not going to have visitors if you don't teach a Bible study. You're not going to win souls if you don't do anything to win souls. Charles Finney, the great revivalist from the, the, the 19th century, the 1800s, said a, a, a harvest of wheat, a harvest of souls is no more than a miracle than a harvest of wheat. You go out there and sow the seed and, and believe God, you'll reap a harvest of souls just like you reap a harvest of wheat. You ever think about how much faith a farmer's got? Go out there and he spends good money on seed and buries it in the ground. That's faith. Because they believe that seed's going to germinate and it's going to grow. We need to start having faith in God that his word still works in the 21st century. I mean, Jesus said the harvest of two things guarantee the success of this church and God's church in the future. Number one, do the will of God. Number two, reap the harvest. And we can do it. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white already. And don't let the blows of life defeat or destroy you. Don't let others' failures cause you to fail. Keep your spiritual focus. And I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. And it's amazing sometimes those hard times become foundational times. Some things are stumbling. Jesus said it. Or Peter said it in his epistle. To some people, faith is a, is a stumbling stone. To others, it's a building block. And I can look back at things that happened 30 years ago. And that was that week I told you about when we lost our Spanish pastor, our first Spanish pastor, and my dad died the same week. Hey Amen. That was was not one of the, the greatest weeks of my life. Except for now I look back on it and I say, you know what? Because I saw God. I saw his grace. I saw his presence bring me through all that. It actually became a building block. Not a stumbling stone. You see, the crises and events that unfold in your life can be a building block or a stumbling stone.
You choose to believe. Every day we choose to believe or not to believe. Every circumstance we choose to believe or we choose not to believe. And those crises and those events and those troubles, again, they can be a stumbling stone to your faith or you can make it a building block. And don't let this world, amen, destroy your faith. And I love the book of Revelations, not because of the beast with seven heads and ten horns. I love the book of Revelation because Revelation 1.1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why I love the book of Revelations. It reveals Jesus Christ that God gave to John. Revelations 1 and 8, Christ himself, amen, enters the picture. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Saith the Lord, that which was, that which is, and that which is to come, the Almighty. There's Jesus right there. Hallelujah. That which was, we all got a past. That which is, we're right here today. God is present today. And that which is to come, he'll be there. I promise you, he'll be there. And he'll be there at the end. And so he does un uh, unravel and reveal, amen, the prophecies and the events that which shall come upon this earth. Amen, a five-minute five uh, synopsis of the book of Revelations, and I'm done. Amen, Revelations 5 through 7. Amen, there are three sets of seven judgments. In, in the book of Revelation, there's seven seals, then there's seven trumpets, and then there's seven vials of wrath. In Revelation 5 to 7, the seven seals are broken. And when each seal is broken, uh, uh, judgments take place upon this earth. Part of those judgments were the four horses that were loose to the four corners of the earth. They bring death, destruction, and war upon the earth. The sun is turned into darkness and the moon into blood. After the seven seals were broken, the seven trumpets begin to sound. Amen. The seven trumpets during that time frame, the rivers and waters are turned to blood. The star wormwood falls to the earth, and a third part of humanity is slain. Amen. Chernobyl is the same word as wormwood. Chernobyl, the world's greatest nuclear disaster, amen, literally means bitter waters. And a lot of people think that when this star falls to the earth, a third part of the humanity will be killed uh, in an in a, uh, atomic war, a nuclear warfare. Very possible. We forget sometimes. There's less nuclear weapons than there were 20 years ago. They're just a lot more powerful than they used to be. They don't need as many. They don't need as many to fry the earth. <laughs> They're still there. They're still there. Hallelujah. And so uh, death and destruction come upon the earth. The, the, the wormwood falls to the earth. Uh, a third part of humanity perishes. The bottomless pit is opened. Apollyon, the destroyer, is loosed upon the planet. And then after the seven trumpets come the seven final vials of wrath are poured out upon the earth. Amen. Those who took the mark of the beast are afflicted with boils and sores. The sun has given power to scorch humanity. God pours out his wrath upon the kingdom and the seat of the Antichrist and prepares the world for Armageddon. My wife has been following several Jewish uh, websites, and it's amazing, folks. The people in Israel are more tuned than, than we are here in America. It's, uh, it's going to be easy for the Jews. When Jesus comes again, they're going to be ready to receive him, believe me. <laughs> the Jews, are, they just keep saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Get ready, it's coming. They just think it's the battle of Armageddon. 
They just think it's the final conflict. They still don't believe that Jesus Christ is going to appear and save their nation, and he will. And, but the, the kingdom of the Antichrist, will be, the Antichrist is a person. Was Jesus Christ a person? He established the kingdom of God, right? I know there's many Antichrists in the world. Some of them are running for president. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Bible said, the man of sin, the son of perdition. Who was Jesus Christ? He was the man that committed no sin, right? And he was the son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. The man of sin. There will be an antichrist and the world will rally behind him and worship him like they ought to worship Jesus Christ. The man of sin will be revealed. It will be Satan manifest in the flesh. It's coming. It's coming. Remember, after all the wars and after all the battles and after all the judgments and after the rivers and waters have been turned into blood and the sun scorches men with fire and a hundred pound hailstones fall upon the earth and there's such an earthquake that every island will be moved upon this planet. There's never been an earthquake like that before, has there? But there will be. And when all the dust settles, amen, Revelation 19 says this, after these things... I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power be unto the Lord our God. Come on, after all the dust settles and all the smoke has cleared away and humanity has run their race, hallelujah, and tried to destroy each other, God will still be on the throne. I believe it. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. We're somewhere in the middle here, folks. We're still in the process, but I promise you, amen, God will be on the throne when it's all over. And what I got to do to get from here to there is keep looking up, keep looking to him, keep believing him, keep trusting him. And let's stand around this house today. Let me read you Revelation, the 19th chapter. And if you'll help me preach the altar call here, I appreciate it, all right? Now, I want you to get your preacher's voice on. Clear your throat. Take a drink of water there if you need to. Because I want you in full, full-throated voice here today. There's four hallelujahs in Revelation 19. Now, this is what the people in heaven are going to say. We're just going to practice here on earth. How about that? Amen. You want to make it from here to heaven? Live on this planet like you're a citizen of heaven. Don't think you're going to live like a devil and rejoice with angels, folks. You're going to live like the devil, you'll end up with the fallen angels. (laughs) But there's some keys here. Man, I'm going to ask you to shout hallelujah with me, and I'm going to do this right here. Let's practice. Let's get your voice. You got your voice ready? Everybody ready? This is the altar call. I want you to help me preach the altar call. Amen. I want you to shout hallelujah as, as loud as you can when I hold out the microphone to you. Hallelujah! Pretty good. That was a good warm-up, all right? 
Get ready. Amen. Revelations 1. After these things I heard the great voice of much people in heaven saying, Salvation and glory and honor and power be unto the Lord our God. True and righteous are his judgments. He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. He avenged the blood of his servants at her hands. And again they said, her smoke rose up forever and ever. The four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne. Friend, when all the dust and smoke and judgments and fire and battles and wars and, and Antichrist have run their race and done everything they could do, amen, God is still on the throne saying, amen, and a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of great multitudes, as the voice of many waters, the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah. Why don't you say, let's, let's say this together, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I believe God is on the throne today. He's going to be on the throne tomorrow. He's going to be on the throne when we get to heaven. He's going to be on the throne no matter what happens in this earth. He's going to be on the throne no matter what happens in your life. I swear it gets tough sometimes. How can this be of God? What is happening in my world? What is happening in my life? Look up, friend. Look up. Look up. Keep seeking God. Keep believing God. He's still on the throne. And I like this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. Come on, friend. How many of you want to go to heaven? <laughs> Come on, when this old world is finished, man, when this old thing is done, whatever happens on this planet, Jesus said it. He said, then shall there be tribulation like the world has never seen before or will ever see again. We haven't seen it all yet, folks. Hallelujah. But just remember, whatever happens on this planet, how much more should I look to God? How much more should I believe God? How much more should I make sure I'm ready? You think? God is going to let the devil steal his wedding day? I promise you, Jesus Christ will present to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. I promise you, there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. God will gather his people unto himself, and nothing that happens on this planet is going to stop that from happening. I just got to make sure that nothing that happens on this planet keeps me from being there. Because it's going to happen whether I'm there or not. Whether I'm a part of that great occasion, or I promise you, Christ is going to present to himself a glorious church. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. And what does it say? His wife hath made herself ready. Come on, friend. Are you ready? Are you ready for that great day? Are you ready for whatever happens on this planet? That's the real question. Are you ready for anything that happens on this planet? Is your faith in God solid enough and strong enough that no matter what happens, I'm going to keep believing? I'm going to keep believing. Amen. These altars are open right now, friend. Come on. Let's seek the Lord. 
Come on, let's lift our eyes unto God. Amen. Let's look to God. 